0: Welcome to What Are You Sporting About podcast, a podcast about business, employment, sports, and entertainment to help educate, support, and guide you to your next level. Here's your host, attorney Savania Devaros.
1: Right. Hello, hello, guys. It's Savania DeVarros, a protector of athletes. And before we dive into the topic, I just want to introduce myself to those who are already familiar with me and introduce myself to those who are just getting to know me. So I am a licensed attorney in Illinois and Wisconsin, all right? I represent individuals in business, employment, sports, and entertainment. Also, I am a published author and, in fact, a two-time best-selling published author of the amazing books, What Are You Sporting About?, as well as the new release, Athletes Making Moves, that dropped July 31st of this year which is all about name, image, and likeness, helping athletes to transcend from the college level into professional life, but also recognizing what exactly is name, image, and likeness. So today we are going to be talking about contracts. (laughs) And I know I've talked about contracts so many different times, uh, so many different ways on different platforms, but it's so imperative that we understand the issues around contract, some of the things that we should be looking for, um, how we should, um, you know, uh, navigate through those particular matters so that we are protected the best way possible. Hey, hey, Monet, how are you today? So, thank you for joining this this uh, podcast. So, five tips, five contract tips for my student athlete entrepreneurs. And I'm going to be honest, guys, these tips can help anybody, anyone who is in business, (laughs) anyone who is creating brands, anyone who has a service. This can help you as well. All right. So five contract tips. And we are going to dive in before I even before I just start and get too deep. I do want to say, though, and this is not planned, but I do want to say, please make sure you have an attorney. Please make sure you have an attorney, because the things that I share with you. Yes, you should be able to look at certain things and, and see, OK, is this here? Um, do I really understand what this is saying? But you may need an, an attorney to help you to truly navigate what the language is in that contract. Okay, so I don't want you to think that this is like an end all be all situation where I just give you these tips and you can go out and do whatever you want, which I mean, technically you could if that's what you wanted to do, but I wouldn't recommend it. Next thing I would say, too, is to make sure that if you do have a contract, um, someone has provided you with one, or maybe you have yourself created this document. I do want you to make sure you ask about certain things that you may have concerns over, because like we've said in my family, closed mouths don't get fed. So you want to make sure that you totally understand and you're getting what it is that you want out of out of the deal, out of the relationship at the end of the day. So let's jump into these five contract tips. So I have said this many, many times in both of my books, What Are You Sporting About? and Athletes Making Moves, is you gotta read the contract. Most of the time, individuals trust that the other professional on the other side is going to do what they said they're going to do. That the language does, in fact, reflect what it is that you have discussed previously to sign in this contract. Sometimes that is not always the case. And if you are an individual who is doing business with someone who really doesn't understand business and definitely um, more than likely don't understand business law or contract law, it's possible that maybe they've created or pulled a, a template contract offline and they themselves don't even know what's in it. So that is crucial because if something is to happen with that relationship, you both be, will be bound by. The language in that contract. Now, I can't go through and, and you know, go through all the the issues that could come up around that and what you may have to show because we just don't have time for it. But um, it could really cause an issue for you and your business or your brand and whatever it is that you're trying to do. So the last thing you want to do is be caught up into costly and timely litigation because you just didn't have time or didn't want to read your contract. You need to read it. OK, OK. You need to read your contract. So that is contract tip one. Make sure you read your contract. And even if, look, it's it's gonna feel like Chinese language or something when you're reading it, especially if, if you're not an attorney, you have not been exposed to contract language over and over again, it's gonna feel so foreign to you. But you have to read it because at the end of the day, regardless of whether you understand the legalese that are in that contract, you as the individual, as the business Um, either the provider or the recipient of whatever those services are, you need to understand yourself. Does this contract, like based on what I can understand, does this contract adequately reflect what we've discussed and what I hope to get out of the contract? Okay. Contract tip number one, read your contract. Number two. I'm going to give you a twofold for this one for your for uh, tip two you guys would be surprised at the number of people that come to my firm who don't properly dictate who the parties to the contract are right so if you haven't even established a written contract and what we call that legally is formation of the contract if you haven't formally established who are who are the parties to this written contract you may not have a written contract. But then again, like I said, there's so many different things that we can dive into and circumstances that we may be able to deal with to establish in a court of law, whether you have a right or an obligation based on the contract that you thought you were a party to. So if you don't have a written contract, you might end up having to fight and deal with an oral contract, right? So that's why it's important that we identify who are the parties to the contract when we are getting down to the level of writing this stuff out, it sounds simple, but a lot of people don't do it. They don't do it. Right. So we want to make sure that is in the contract. It literally should be your initial paragraph um, on such and such date, person name, one, address, whatever it is, um, with person number two, address, da 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 you know, um, for services of X. And then you go into whatever um, the details are, the the additional details are about the contract. So don't don't get caught up like I've seen a lot of people do. It could literally cause you a snag in the process of your business if you have not clearly identified who the parties are because if you have an issue around formation of contract and you are the person trying to, file a case and saying that you've been injured by this person, well, you may have an issue with even establishing that there has actually been a written contract. Okay. And this is important. I really want my student athletes to take heed to this because I know a lot of student athletes don't have time to go and step into this role of a business boss. But if you're not making sure those T's are crossed and those I's are dotted you could find yourself in a position that you don't necessarily want to be in and one that you don't have time to be in, okay? So now my part B to tip number two is understand the scope of the contract. Understand the scope of the contract. So the scope is the thing that you agree to do or the thing that you agree to provide, Sometimes people will have language where it's so open-ended. And so you wanna be aware of that because especially if you are the person that is supposed to be providing whatever the product or the service is, you don't wanna get caught up in a situation where a person constantly wants to scope creep you in a way where they say, oh, well, you said that you would do such and such, but your language is so broad and vague that technically it does fall underneath that, that language in the contract. But your initial conversation was around you doing something so specific that the person should know that once you perform that particular work, it's done. It's over. But some people will try to take advantage. So you want to make sure that you clearly identify what is the scope of the work that you are supposed to be doing. So if we look at it in the context of name, image and likeness. We have intellectual property that is involved. What exactly am I doing? And for what part of my NIL am I providing this for? Am I just an individual who is allowing you to use my name in a certain respect? Okay, so if you are using my name, then how are you using my name? And for what period are you using my name? What do I have to particularly do for you to use my name? So you want to get so specific, and that's why it's important that you ask questions too around your scope. If you are the individual providing the services, then you need to be asking these individuals who are seeking the um, service or the advice from you to really get down to the nitty gritty of what it is that they want. Now, a lot of people will come to you and possibly be so evasive and ambiguous around what it is that they want and you put something in the scope, they agree to it, you perform the job, then they say, oh, this is not what I want. I mean, technically, as long as your agreements are tight, you don't have any obligation to provide them anything else without an additional contract being signed. So you need to make sure that you understand the scope of services to be rendered or provided or received if you're on the receiving end. And make sure that you follow that every step of the way. If you're not sure, don't guess. Go back and look at the writing of the contract. So, that is tip two, and it's twofold. Make sure you properly identify who the parties are in your document and also understand the scope of the contract. So, let's move down to tip number three, and this is also a two part tip. And I've seen this a lot over and over and over again um, with multi million dollar businesses. People forget to include information as it relates to any dispute happening. And on top of that, some people even fail to ensure that if a dispute was to arise, what form, what jurisdiction would that dispute take place and what state would control the law, meaning choice of law provision. Sometimes I think people are so afraid of discussing how should we handle our disputes if you or I fill out with each other. And they may think that, okay, well, this is a bad thing to discuss because this relationship is so new and I don't want to upset someone or I don't want to, you know, get in, I don't know, kind of create this environment where... The other person probably feel like I don't trust them, but I really do. So it's such an uncomfortable conversation to have. And I really I don't really want to have that conversation. I say BS, have that conversation, have that conversation. You need to know. First off, you need to know who you're doing business with. Right. And I can tell you that folks who have been friends and have not really delved into this conversation and put it in writing have gotten into situations where they have had to litigate these matters against each other and the friendship is worse off or non-existent because of that. It's more credible and authentic for you to discuss at the start of things how you would like to resolve issues if they were to surface. It shows that you care about the relationship, that you definitely want to make sure that there is a workable solution for any issues that have been, that have, or may be presented, but also you guys are in a situation where you actually like each other right now. So this is the best time to discuss dispute resolution because once, you know, (laughs) the fire is burning and people are pissed off, you're not going to be able to resolve anything. But if you agree to certain language upfront, people are more willing to say, okay, you know what we did agree that we would do X, Y, and Z. So let's go ahead and give this a try and see how we can resolve the issue. Now, when you're doing or creating dispute resolution um, paragraphs or provisions in your contract, you want to talk about, okay, if we were to have a dispute in this business, do we want to go and see a mediator, right? Um, Or if a mediator couldn't help us to resolve these issues, what is our next step? Are we allowed to go ahead and just This issue in front of an arbitrator or a panel of arbitrators. And for those who don't know, an arbitration is basically a trial, but it's more relaxed than you actually being in court. So something that attorneys have to follow is called the rules of evidence. When you go to arbitration, those rules are extremely relaxed. So especially if you and the other party um have gotten into a dispute and neither one of you understand the law or are even represented by counsel, um, maybe arbitration is the way to go because you won't be necessarily held to the high standard of the rules of evidence that lawyers have to follow. So that could be an option. Um, Still, at the end of the day, you will end up having to put on a case for the arbitration if that's the way that you chose. Now, you can agree uh, with your business partner and/or the person you're doing business with when you sign that agreement, that if any person has bona fide issue and we've resorted to these other measures and we have not been able to resolve the issue through those methods, then a party has the opportunity to file their case in court. You can do that. You can do that. Um, I will say though, court is timely and it's costly. So if you can do and put any language in your document that you and the other party can agree to ahead of time, um, putting in deadlines or notifications of, of individual having to provide you with the uh, a, a notification if an issue was to arise so that you are aware of it. Because sometimes people get upset and be, you know, pissed off at you in the business and you don't even know they're mad until they go and file a lawsuit. So maybe that's, maybe that's something that has to be written in your contract, but the end of the story is make sure that you provide some kind of way to handle your disputes so that you can resolve them, hopefully without resorting to litigation, because when you start getting into that, money is held up, time is held up, who knows what you've created in your business, maybe those assets may be held up. Who knows? It can it can really be a crap show. okay? but on top of that, you need to make sure that you understand the jurisdiction. And the choice of law. Now, jurisdiction is what state will have jurisdiction over these claims and over the individuals or the company that's involved in this litigation if that was to happen as a result of our dispute. So most of my clients that will come to me, they may agree to have, especially if both of them are not in the same state. One person who's providing the contract will say, "Oh, well, we're going to litigate this case in New York," and my client lives I'm like, "Uh, no, <laughs> we're not going to to New York to litigate a case." So you just want to make sure um, that the jurisdiction is reasonable for you. And if you were to be on the receiving end of a of a lawsuit that you would have the ability to to travel to that court of law where it would have jurisdiction over you. Okay, Monet says mad and scared to confront is a bad combination. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you have to get over those business or contract jitters. Um, Folks who are not used to doing stuff like this, especially when you start off a business, you don't want to scare people away. You may think that no one wants to do business with you because you're asking for a contract. And then when you start getting deep into the issues of it, you may also, again, think that people will be scared away. But I think that it's a good telltale sign of whether you can do business with them or not. Because if they're not willing to ensure that the investment you guys are making together is protected by you going and taking these extra steps, then to me, I'm like, Is it even worth getting in bed with them? Maybe not, because that might be a hint that these individuals are not actually good business people. They may not necessarily have the business acumen necessary to ensure that whatever you guys are creating together is going to be on solid footing. So that's a good point, Monet. Thanks for bringing that up. So Um, for instance, like with this jurisdiction stuff, so I have a a athlete client who was positioned with a contract and the jurisdiction stated that, you know, if anything was to happen that Illinois would have jurisdiction, but my client lives in California for me, I'm like, okay, cool. That's fine. Because if it's in, if it's in Illinois, I'm licensed in Illinois as your counsel, I'll be able to handle that matter for you. But if he didn't have me as an attorney Um, And there was a different state. Let's just say Montana. Um, He's already busy with work and everything that he's doing. Will he have the ability to stop his life to go travel to Montana however often if he was sued? Possibly not. So you want to make sure that you're in a jurisdiction or at least um, there is a jurisdiction that favors you in a way if you were to be sued. So you can agree to that stuff ahead of time. And then choice of law. So some people think that jurisdiction and choice of law is the exact same thing. And it's not. Jurisdiction is technically the state who have control or the right to hear your case um, of the parties that are involved. Choice of law is what what state's law are we going to apply to this contract? Okay. Now, you want to think about that, too, because some state law is a lot more liberal, right? Um, we're talking about contract issues. Different states have different statute of limitations, and that simply just means a, a timeline to bring your claim. So let me give you an example. So here in Illinois, Illinois has a 10-year statute of limitations on written contracts, Okay. But that's different if you end up with a sale of good, like you're, you have a, a, um, a contract for the sale of goods, some products that you have, even though your contract may be in writing. Now you're dealing with what we would call the uniform commercial code that takes that written contract. And now your timeline is shortened to four years. So you got to This is why people need an attorney, because depending on the state that you're in. Depending on what it is that you're doing, what the scope is of your contract, it may be possible that your written contract may be governed by some other law that you're not even aware of, which shortens your timeline in being able to bring a case to promote your legal interests. Okay, but back to what I was saying: the choice of law is literally what state's law will we apply to our contract or our relationship? So even if we we filed the case in Illinois we could have Georgia's choice of law, right? So any state that we go into would have to apply the law of the state that we've asked to be applied as a choice of law in our contract. So you just want to be aware of those issues. So that is tip three. Now, tip four, if you were accused of a breach of contract, what would you do? If you were accused of a breach of contract, what would you do? This is essential. So for my student athlete entrepreneurs, for young entrepreneurs, for business owners, if you were accused of a contract, a breach of a contract, what would you do? First thing is, I would definitely recommend that you go in and seek counsel and talk to counsel because it may be that you might not be the person liable for just because you, you may end up, coming into a case as a defendant doesn't mean that it's impossible for you to win. Um, and when we go in and we start talking about all these other issues around formation of the contract, which I discussed before, you know, making sure that we follow certain protocols so that when a contract is, is put before court for enforcement, that it shows that it's an actual formation that these individuals actually understood and had in a, a full agreement in terms of what would be the contract between the two, there may be some issues that you can throw out there as the defendant to say, "Um, yeah, I'm not liable for that. And one thing that comes to mind, and I'm trying not to give y'all like a law school lecture, (laughs) but one thing that comes to mind is the statute of frauds. And I think about the Illinois uh, name, image, and likeness statute where it said that Student athletes have to have written their contracts for name, image, and likeness have to be in writing. And immediately, I was like, "Oh, that's that's good because it will somewhat prevent a statute of frauds defense." And statute of frauds just basically says that you can't sue me for a breach of contract if one of the other things haven't been done, and i.e., meaning if certain contracts have not even been in writing, right? So for a contract that is over five, the value of over five hundred dollars, it has to be in writing. If you purchase a house, it's real estate; it has to be in writing. If you're getting married, um, it has to be in writing. Um, if there is a contract for services that can't be performed within one year, it has to be in writing. Okay, so that's that's the the statute of frauds defense. So let's just say an individual came to you. Um, said, hey, will you do X for me? And I will pay you X amount of dollars. But the value that they paid you was $750, right? And let's just say you did one part of the job, but you neglected to do the other part and they sue you for breach of contract. And they sue you based on a writing, a written contract. You can come back and say, well, there's no breach of contract because the value of the services provided was over $500 and it was not in writing. Now, of course, there are other things that we could do or we could argue, or the other attorney could argue to get around that, but that is why it's important to have counsel. So if you were accused of a breach of contract, first, you definitely want to make sure you reach out to counsel and see what your potential strategy or ways to maneuver this case is, okay? But once you get counsel involved and you guys have set out what that strategy is, it may be possible that either, and this is up to you and your counsel and based on the strength of the case, you may be able to just settle this matter completely out so you don't have to waste your time and your money over years of litigating these issues. Um, or you may be able to go in, file a counterclaim and say, well, actually, you violated this contract and here's why and you owe me X money. But again, it's timely and it's costly. So my fifth contract tip, guys, my fifth contract tip is to make sure that you have a stated term and termination clause in your contract. Now, I don't want you to think that these five tips are the end all be all because it is not. I could talk to you about contracts for hours because there's a lot to divulge, but I do want you to make sure that you go and pick up Athletes Making Moves. This book is good for any entrepreneur, actually. Although I speak to athletes, it is good for any entrepreneur. And I break down different provisions and contracts that you can have, um, that you can read to understand what should be in there, at least specifically. So now what is a term and what is a termination? Sounds like the same thing, but it's not. So the term of the contract is the duration. How long do you expect for this contract to go? So there's so many different ways that you can write the term. The term could be once Joe Blow completes X service, the contract is over. Or it could be I provide you X amount of services over the course of one year. And after the one year, it's over. Right. And unless you renew the term of the contract. It's pretty much a dead contract, right? It's it's done. There's no other obligations from you to the other person or vice versa. Some people have written their terms to, to state a particular timeline or deadline or um, that the contract is completed at the completion of the service or product provided. And then some people can go in and say, or oh, this contract can auto renew for six months thereafter or one year thereafter for X amount of term, Right. Um, so that way you're not going back in and having to reissue a new contract every time. I would say you should, if, especially if you have a contract for one year, I think it's best protocol to make sure that you, even if a person wants to auto renew, to reissue the contract so that if any issues did pop up that you had to resolve with that particular individual through that year, you can go and tighten up the contract, right? And then reissue them the, the renewal Of the contract for the next year, but you can write your term however you want. I mean, literally, the services or products rendered could be for a week. (laughs) It could be for a day. Um, It could be for a year. It could be for two years. It really just depends on the parties and what is involved, and how long will it take to to accomplish what it is that you've set out to do in this relationship. And then termination. So I kind of talked about this a little bit because part of your term may speak to The termination of the contract. So if you're saying, well, part of the term would be that once I finish providing or rendering services of X, the contract would be done. Well, that will show you what the termination is in the contract. Some people have set it out to where even if you have a term that speaks to that language, you want to talk about other ways you can get the heck out of this contract period. Because <laughs> you may just figure out that, um, you know what? I don't really like Joe Blow. He's asking me or she's asking me to do certain things that I'm not comfortable doing. And I don't want my feet to be held to the fire. So you know what? I want a way to be able to get out of this contract before the term has expired. And so what does that look like? What are some of the things that I can say um, to Joe Blow? Do I need to provide a notice? To Joe Blow, so I can leave this relationship earlier than expected. And what would that look like? If Joe Blow has paid me X amount of dollars, do I have to refund? So you want to make sure that you talk about the termination. Even if your term technically states a particular termination deadline, there may be other reasons to surface that will have you wanting to get out of that contract um, earlier than expected. And that just means that, you know, sometimes you realize the people that you're doing business with may not be a good fit. You may, you just may not feel comfortable, you know, being in that business transaction or that relationship with them any longer. And so it's more of a peace of mind for you to exit that relationship a little bit earlier than expected. So you want to make sure that you have that in there because this is one of the things that will help to protect you if you are ever accused of breach of a contract for not finishing um, particular services prior to the term or the ending of a term that was already set out in the contract. So let's recap five quick tips for student athlete entrepreneurs. One, read your contract Two, understand the scope and also make sure that you include who the parties are for purposes of contract formation. Three, what happens if there's a dispute? You want to have a dispute clause and understand um, the, the state jurisdiction and choice of law provision. If you were accused of a breach of contract, make sure that you go and seek counsel because there's ways that you possibly can move that thing and actually fight the individual charging after you for breach of contract from um, a counter complaint standpoint. And five, make sure you have a stated term, which is the duration of the contract and also termination of the contract if you wanted to end that relationship early. So guys, if you have any questions, please 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 make sure that you go to what um, um athletesmakingmoves.com. You can also hit me up at prosportlawyer.com and get my book, what are you sporting about? In that book, I actually also I also um talk to individuals about the power of their legal rights and it helps you to think about some of the key rules that you should be implementing in your everyday life. And it also discusses some common issues around legal issues that could surface as a part of being in business, such as fraud, breach of contract and breach of fiduciary duty, especially if individuals who you're doing business with, um, you know, are holding themselves out in a professional capacity. Um, but also make sure that you go to athletesmakingmoves.com and get my new best selling book, Athletes Making Moves, because this one actually takes you through uh, key provisions of a contract. So even if you are not an attorney, you should be able to look at your contract, go through it, and see exactly what provisions are missing. You may not be able to understand the language itself, but you can definitely go and see, okay, do I have a term clause here? Do I have a a clearly stated uh, scope of services? Um, have we included a dispute resolution clause here? Do I have an attorney fee provision clause? Now we didn't talk about that on this, this show, but I will talk to you guys again in a different episode about attorney fee provisions and why it is important. So if you have any questions about contracts, contract provisions, contract litigation, contract negotiation, contract drafting, contract anything child, You can hit me up at prosportlawyer.com, submit a um, a contact form and my team will reach out to you to get you on my calendar. And until next time, guys, I will check you later. I hope that this has been so helpful for you and you can go back to your drawing board and make sure that you go and tighten up any loose holes that may be present because I wanna make sure that you are protected on every end, all right? So I will check you later. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Bye.